When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, as new neighbors into the Big Ten, Washington, Oregon. Jacob Padilla joins us from HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscores, where you follow him. Jacob, a lot going on in the world of college football today, but just overall, uh, your thoughts and reaction. I think it's a good thing for Nebraska, and I think it's a good thing for the league to add two names and brands like both of these schools, and I think you're getting them at the right price. What say you? I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to comprehend at this point what it's actually going to look like. Um, I think kind of the, the rush to consolidation, again, it's coming with all kinds of negatives, but that they're ultimately the people in charge are willing to put because uh, it lands them more money in their pockets. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the point of college basketball or college football, college sports in general, um, it's so big and expansive. The conferences uh, allow you to kind of absorb it in chunks and it uh, uh, kind of has things self-contained into a little. Everybody, there's similar schedules. Everybody's playing similar teams year to year. So you get a, a feel for, all right, a real conference champion. Um, it, obviously the regional ties that plays into that. And I think the regionality is a huge part of um, college sports uh, and uh, the way that people consume it and follow it. Um, ultimately, I don't think this is good for like the sport itself and just for fans enjoying uh, the games and all that. But um I mean, if they determine it, it's it's better for their, their pocketbooks, and that's kind of what's ultimately going to drive it all, all the time. So we'll see what it ends up looking like in terms of how do they figure out these schedules? What does it? What added stress does it put on the, the the athletes, the ones that are having to go through the extra travel, and like how does how does that all work? How do the logistics work out, and kind of what impact does that have on the quality of the competitions? Um, the health of the, the athletes and all that sort of thing. I think that's all stuff that you're like, eh, whatever, we'll figure that out later. Let's just go get the money now. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm not a fan of it, but obviously it's, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of where everything's going. And Jacob, I see this as a, a case of your traditional college football fan, the one who's been following Nebraska since the 70s or the 80s, or the people like me even who all my life have been a college football fan. Is it necessarily better for us no, but I think whenever you look at the, the general football fan and the general sports enthusiast, I think it's better for them because you're adding, I mean, with four teams, we're going to call it USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, the matchups that that'll produce on television, you're getting an extra probably 25 to 30 games that are going to be must-see on TV in any given season with the additions of those teams with who they're going to be playing against the Ohio States, the Michigans, I mean, playing against each other still. It's adding more intrigue for your your more common, less 
hard no or sorry a die hard fan and it's going to open up the world of college football to them and i think short term what you're saying could be right but i think long term what it opens up with the added popularity it's going to bring to the sport of college football i think it could be good in the long run in that way maybe um especially early on kind of the novelty of it mm-hmm. but also at the same time it's just there's still only so many games you're going to play and uh, now you're spreading out the conference even more. So maybe some games that you were a fan of now, those happen less often. Uh, yeah. You replace them with a different kind of game potentially, but then you're also having to fit in uh, like Oregon playing Rutgers and like those sorts of games. So uh, it, it's kind of, it, it's giving you more of both, I guess, and just kind of shifting things around. It's not like you're adding more games on top of this. Uh, so it's gonna be those games are gonna be replacing other games. And sometimes they'll replace the ones that aren't as interesting, and other times they'll replace the ones that we we've been watching and fans of for years. So I think I don't know how dramatically different that'll make it. And again, like that's uh, you still get some of those kind of matchups in the non-conference. Like typically, a lot of teams have at least one good non-conference game a year, and the novelty of it I think is part of what makes those all the more exciting because these aren't teams that you're gonna see play every year. It's a once you play a couple years, a home and home type of deal. Um, and then that that's it. So um, I don't know. We'll see kind of how, where all the dust settles and what that ultimately does and how it looks. I'm just having a tough time kind of comprehending again, kind of how it does change, like what you're talking about and um, what it ends up looking like with the schedules and how often we play teams in your conference. Do we go back to divisions because the, the, the conference has grown so big and, that makes the travel easier. How does that all play out? Um, obviously, we're still we're at the point now where I think things are just kind of cascading downhill. There, everybody's making their moves, and then we'll have to see kind of what it looks like once everything's settled. Well, you're going to have incredible inventory options. You can put some dream matchups together every week. Oh, Jacob, I wanted to get your take on Dana Altman's brand of basketball that. We'll be coming to PBA hopefully someday soon. Also, the volleyball factor and how Coach Cook and Nebraska stand out with these additions. Because I know Oregon's a good volleyball program. Washington's always seems to be in the Final Four. UCLA and, and USC, I don't know that they're incredible, but they've been good. And there's been some recency where they've been talented as well. So touch on that for me. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely volleyball. Uh, it strengthens an already super strong conference. Again, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the schedules play out and what that does in terms of a chase for a conference title. In terms of, all right, are you going to be playing everybody once and that only gives you a few home-and-home uh, home matchups? Mm-hmm. And how do you determine what those home-and-homes are? Um, are you going to lose out on some of the Nebraska-Penn State twice a year uh, that that type of deal, like where that's going to happen less and less often, is, is that how it's going to play out? Like, there's still so many questions to be answered about what the product is actually going to look like. Because there's a reason uh, the conferences were the size that they were, just because logistically it made things so much easier for scheduling. Again, the regionality of it for for all sports um, and the limited numbers were. That's what thing I love about the the Big East basketball is the you play everybody. It's a true round robin where you get a chance to everybody plays everybody. Um, so it's easier to determine, all right, who really is the conference champion here. You went out and earned it playing the same teams that everybody else did for the most part. Um, so that that's 
you, you lose out on that aspect of it even more so as you continue to add. I mean, that started to slip away as they went from uh, 11 to 13, 14 to 16. Like as we continue to add, um, that that's kind of going away, and that's um, so we'll see kind of if the what you're talking about, Elijah, with the the added novelty, the the chance to to get some other big matchups. Does that kind of offset that? We'll see how it ends up playing out. But um, in terms of volleyball, yeah, it's going to be even tougher, uh, even tougher league. They're going to be, um, again, especially with how, how the schedules play out. And you could uh, get a draw where maybe you don't play Rutgers and whoever else in a year if you don't play everybody. Or you get, or maybe you get them twice uh, with, with the way the schedule plays out. Well, somebody else gets uh, Penn State twice or Wisconsin twice. Like, uh, it could end up having an impact on kind of conference title chases and who knows what the conference title will even mean long-term in terms of the, the, the postseason. That's the other thing that we're moving towards. Okay, what does the consolidation of conferences mean for the NCAA tournament and all that? Um, that's way down the road right now. We're still kind of, again, in the early uh, early stages of kind of the, 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 the chair shuffling here. But yeah, it's already the best, the best volleyball conference in the country that is invested the most in that sport. And that puts that sport on the pedestal, uh, on a pedestal more than others, uh, as evidenced by the big 10 media days, still the only conference that does it in year two. Now that uh, I attended with Aaron earlier this week. Um, that's, that, that's the thing. Like, like you said, even uh, you, you see USC and UCLA, they're, they're not right now like powerhouses, but they are traditionally strong volleyball programs in areas that should be able to recruit well. Um, and you think added to the Big Ten, that might even help them jump up even more. Um, so it's four good volleyball programs joining already the best volleyball conference in the country. So there are going to be a ton uh, a ton of good games, ton of good matchups. Um, we're already seeing the, the, uh, the rise in TV inventory every single year. Uh, we're seeing more and more games land on television. We're seeing now that for the first time ever, the Big Ten – is going to play, uh, have a volleyball game on a football Sunday, either depending on what your market is, either leading into an NFL game or coming out of an NFL game. Um, heck, I, I know uh, the, the Creighton-DePaul Christmas game, like the, the huge numbers that did uh, kind of back-to-back -back with the football there, what that does for, for numbers and viewership and um, for, for a sport. So they're kind of going for that same thing in volleyball now with Big Fox showing it, so. Um, yeah, volleyball is getting strong with this. Basketball, again, it's four, four good basketball. Well, Washington, uh, maybe not as much right now, but um, at least three good volleyball uh, or basketball programs. Obviously, Dane Altman, we'll see how much longer he's going to continue to coach out there, but he'll potentially get a chance to travel back here to Nebraska for, for a conference game. Um, Obviously, we know UCLA has been on an absolute tear. USC has been good under Andy Enfield. So, uh, yeah, it's two. It's it was already a very strong basketball and volleyball conference, and adding these teams will make it even stronger. Jacob, with the addition of these two teams in volleyball, are they going to have to move media days to Indianapolis too? I mean, the basement of that hotel is looking pretty full. <laughs> yeah, although um, it was nice that they kind of expanded. That they moved us downstairs after. Uh, if, you, if you saw last year, we were kind of in a conference call room where it was a long tape, like the, the players and coaches were sitting up at a table and then all the media members were packed into basically a conference table extending out the long way. And um, I know 
the TV, like, I don't know if the Big Ten wasn't expecting uh, Nebraska to send like four TV people, uh, but that's kind of how the Huskers roll. Uh, so I know they weren't super stoked about kind of the angles and uh, the logistics of trying to, to shoot in a room like that. So this year they moved it down kind of a uh, more wide open room. Uh, and I think it, it worked out well for them. So still a little bit more room in there. Um, and again, going in shifts, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's fun. Um, kind of, again, we'll see what, how it actually looks like, but yeah, Nebraska, Oregon, uh, we've seen them in the postseason. Now we'll see it in uh, the regulars, uh, regular season, Nebraska, UCLA, same thing. We've seen a non-conference match, uh, matchup in the previous years. Now that'll become more regular. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, definitely Nebraska is in a very good spot from a volleyball standpoint. Jacob, hang on tight. We won't keep you long uh, after this quick timeout. I want to get your thoughts on the week that's been for Nebraska basketball before we say goodbye with uh, Aaron Eulis and uh, Nebraska, of course, uh, across the pond in, in, uh, in Spain. Uh, reaction to what you've seen from the Big Red uh, on their international tour. Jacob Adilla stays with us. Hail Varsity on a Friday. And we're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Expansion Day continues. Jacob Badilla still with us. HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Badilla underscore. We've hit volleyball, the effect on Nebraska. Football, yes. And now we've even touched uh, hoops with Dana making his way back hopefully and potentially to uh, to Nebraska, Oregon, and uh, the Big Red. So, Jacob, I want to get your thoughts on Nebraska basketball, their uh, trip to Spain, but also the situation that rose up with Aaron Euless this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Aaron Euless situation certainly is not ideal. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out. Doesn't Doesn't sound good right now based on the initial charges and report. Um, we'll see how that resol- uh, resolves itself. Brad Hoiberg said he hasn't gotten any indication of a timeline for that. Um, w- once they return, U.S. will continue to practice with the team uh, until they know um, his future for sure and can go from there. But I think they're planning uh, as if they're not going to have him. So um, I don't know that they're going to go grab a, an- just any point guard just to add one. I think – we're at the point now where, I mean, to be honest, the U.S. was already pretty far down their their list of targets based on what we, we saw. Um, they, they 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 struck out on a handful of the guys that they're going after to kind of fill out that that backcourt spot. Um, so I, I think ultimately what this could mean is uh, a larger role for Jamarcus Lawrence, which isn't a bad thing. It comes with pr- uh, pros and cons. I think. From what I've seen of him, I think he is better off the ball. I think that's how he would – if you want to play to his strengths, you play him at the two alongside another ball handler that can set him up, have him uh, spot up, run off screens, that type of thing. But he did sh- has shown he's capable of initiating offense, of running pick and roll, uh, and, and kind of being the point guard. So it's maybe not his ideal role, but already with Casey Tominaga, Bryce Williams, I expect him to be uh, a major part of this team. Uh, you're looking at either Lawrence starting at the point or coming off the bench. And he's a guy, a young guy in the program that you're excited about. So uh, worst case scenario, if U.S. isn't available, it just means a larger role 
for uh, for Lawrence, which uh, again, kind of pros and cons of that, but it's uh, not not the worst situation in the world where you've got a young player that you'd like to get more minutes. Now this gives you the opportunity opportunity to to do that. Meanwhile, you kind of spread the ball handling op, uh, responsibilities around where Bryce Williams, you see him initiate some, run some pick and roll and um, bring the ball up the floor, get them into their sets. You know, Obviously, we saw last year how much of their offense they ran through their bigs. And I know Fred Hoiberg thinks that uh, Rink Mast and Josiah Allett can both kind of run some of the same sets that Derek Walker did as kind of a high post initiator, mm. um, that, that type of thing. Um, so I, I think it's going to be more, all right, initiate by committee if they don't have U.S. there at point guard where um, you've got a lot of guys that kind of share the ball around. Could open the door for Ramel Lloyd, even Kale Jacobson, who's made the most of this trip uh, from what we've seen, um, to potentially kind of fill those minutes. You've got Sam Hoiberg, who, who played backcourt minutes last year. So um, you obviously never want to rely on walk-ons, but in this case, I think this is, isn't a typical situation where uh, Kale Jacobson did have uh, – mid low mid major offers um cho- and chose to walk on it in nebraska instead um and sam hoiberg we saw him produce in the big 10 last year mm-hmm. so um like those uh, like if you have to get far down the depth chart like those are better options than you typically get in that situation so it's not ideal you'd rather have a guy that you recruited to play a role available but from what we're seeing from this trip overseas and um, what we've heard, what Hoiberg has talked about um, with the makeup of the roster. I think he feels okay, like they'll be able to survive if they don't have him available. Um, uh, and that just mean, that puts more on other guys that are going to have to step up. It kind of limits your or kind of smaller margin for error, but more opportunity for the other guys on the roster. It's Jacob Padilla with us here, Hail Varsity Radio. And Jacob, Let's uh, look at the, the hardwood itself and what we've seen in Spain thus far this week. It's a big scoring week for Bryce Williams, but it should be noted a lot of Nebraska's uh, expected key contributors for next year not with the team right now. How much are you taking away from this overseas trip? Is there anything you can take away from what we've seen on the basketball court, or is this more about team bonding, getting this team together before the season actually gets underway? Well, considering we don't actually get to see it, <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to, to take too much. I mean, even if you do get to see it, there's only so much you can take away. It is positive to – you definitely want to see guys performing well as opposed to the, the opposite. So that's a good sign of seeing a guy like – not only just the points, obviously at 28 in the first game, but five rebounds and four assists in that game. In the second game, threes didn't go down for, for Bryce Williams, but he still finished with 16 points, um, handful of rebounds, handful of assists again. So kind of – making plays more than just scoring and showing off the versatility. So that's, I think, more so than, yeah, the point totals. That's what you like to see from him is, okay, he is a guy that can do multiple things for you, that you can uh, put the ball in his hands, and he can help with some of those ball handling responsibilities. Kind of same thing with Kill Jacobson, where he's getting out there and he's making big plays, and even if he's making mistakes, he's making up for them. And he's been a guy that's been out there in the closing lineup and has made big plays from what uh, Fred Horberg has said. Um, in both games, he was he came up in, in the clutch because these are both close games, and that's kind of the, the good thing. More than anything, with these games, is they're close, and these guys have in, have been put in a pressure situation where they have to execute if they want to win these games. And so far, they've done just that. So that I mean, that's probably the most valuable part of the on court experience is just being in those situations. All right, 
tie game, few minutes left. Who's going to win? All right, overtime. Who, who's going to make the plays here? Uh, all right, you're going to the line down, down one. Uh, can you at least get us one of these free throws to, to get this thing to overtime? And, and they've responded and they found a way to pull out the win. So, CJ Wilcher, uh, it's good to see him kind of putting up some, some numbers and obviously rebounding in addition to scoring points. Uh, that's with their undersized lineup there. You need those perimeter players to kind of pitch in there. And he's done that. I think he's got 18 rebounds in two games as a 6'5 guard. Um, and so that and coming off the season he did, it's good for him to go out there and make an impact and hopefully build up some confidence coming back into um, a situation where like, if if he can get that stroke back that he showed as uh, during his first year at Nebraska, he can still be an important piece for this team. You've got some minutes. you, you got uh, – you assume Jamarcus Lawrence, Bryce Williams, Casey Tomina all playing 30-plus minutes per game. Um, but I think those, the rest of those guard minutes are pretty wide open where Wilcher is the most experienced guy there. Um, can he grab on to, to most of those? And then where does that leave Jacobson and Ramel Lloyd and uh, Sam Hoiberg and some of those other guys here? So um, it, it's good to see some guys building some confidence and being able to execute in the clutch. So those are something they'll be able to take back with them. Jacob, overtime with us, buddy. Appreciate your your takes on volleyball, on hoops, on football, and uh, some Husker hoops talk as well. Uh, we'll get caught up again next week. Thanks so much. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. There he is. Good stuff. We, we covered a lot. The football part, obvious, yes, but the volleyball impact, the basketball impact, the uh, data factor, I hope. I hope Dana coaches long enough to see Dana come back in that Oregon green or whatever the hell uniform they're wearing. <laughs> we'll get to more of your stream comments. Thoughts on Washington, Oregon, joining the neighborhood in the Big Ten. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Check it out there. We'll get to see your Twitter comments at HVarsity Radio is where you follow the show on Twitter. Hour one, winding down Hail Varsity, presented by Currency.